Welcome to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. Okay, random, but I saw the hairiest man today. <laughs> it is not something you want to see. It's a sight for sore eyes. Okay, I don't mind some chest hair. Okay, fine. But that's the thing. You've got back hair, chest hair, just body hair everywhere, shoulder hair. You've got long hair, well, mid-back hair. His hair was long and it went down to half his back. And he was starting to like bald a little bit. And he had a long beard. And this is such a Colorado thing. And I don't know what men are thinking. Past 2830, I feel like it's not a good idea to have long hair as a man. Maybe unless you're like Chris Hemsworth or Johnny Depp, the rare 1%, okay? But after that, um, just cut it off, have short hair, because then you're going to start balding and it's just not going to look flattering anymore. But I feel like men in Colorado, they don't care. You know, it's either they're skiers and they're still stuck in their like late 20s, but they're like late 40s now, or they're surfers in California. You know, there's no like in between. There's usually no other kind of person that has this look. Anyway, I went to the pool today and I went to the hot tub after that. And this person was in the hot tub. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> Stop being so hairy, man. Um, I mean, he can't help that, okay? But at least cut your long hair. I'm just in the hot tub and I'm seeing his hair, his body hair, his back hair swirl above the water in the hot tub. And anyway, this is this is what made me think of, oh, I have to talk about this. <laughs> and then I go to the steam room again. I feel like I could write a comedic book about steam room incidents. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. I mean, there's crazy books out there. I feel like it could be a book, right? So I go in to the steam room, the button's off. Okay, now we know about the button from my other episodes. <laughs> if you were listening about the button, there's nobody in there, no steam. Nobody's been in there for a while. Nobody's pressed the button. So I press the button, the light is on. I go in, all right, starting to fill, starting to fill. I'm feeling good because my nose was stuffy, you know, and I needed that steam. It's so cold outside. It's snowing endlessly. It's just freezing temperatures. I felt really good with this steam, okay? I lay down. I'm enjoying the steam. There's like a second round of steam. Then this person comes in, sees, I don't know what, because my eyes were closed, and then exit. I just feel the draft from the door. And then I look and I'm like, oh, this person's not here. Okay, whatever. I continue to lay. And then I find that the steam is like dissipating. Did this person press the switch? Oh, hell no. Right? So I get up from my relaxation. I open the door. The goddamn switch is off. 
I'm like, what? Who is this person? You know, like, why does this person care? Is this person saving electricity for the recreation center? Why do they care? Is it saving, like, water in the steam? Are they paying partial bills? I don't know, but it just annoyed me so much. And in my annoyance, I pressed the button again, like the switch. Okay, the light is on. Great. Okay, I go back in. I lay down. Next thing I know, this guy comes in. Not attractive. I just want to add that. Okay. He comes in. He sits down and he looks at me. I didn't know this, but he started talking to me. Okay. My eyes were closed. And then he says to me, are you okay? And I'm thinking, what the fuck? Like, why? What's happening now? Like, am I bleeding? Like, what's <laughs> what's going on? And I'm like, why? He's like, I was, I was out there. I saw you do a backstroke. And he does, like, he scrunches his face like I hurt myself doing a backstroke or something. He's like, I saw you do a backstroke. Uh, followed by a noise like that unnecessarily and I'm like what is he talking about like was I doing a bad job why does he care does he hate backstrokes was it unpleasant to watch why was he watching and why does he care enough to go into the steam room and tell me this I'm thinking all these things but delayed you know in my mind what I was thinking I should have just blurted out I'm just like like <laughs> like a stupid like laugh reaction because I'm like what is going on right I just do that reaction like a stupid laugh and next thing I know like I'm not talking to him anymore he's not saying anything else and he's clearing his nose like breathing in loudly and then again on the other nose and I'm like seriously what is going on with these weird interactions in the steam room and then he leaves. Okay, like, what is that about? Okay, next thing I know, this other guy walks in. He doesn't talk to me. Fine. Great. Okay. He's just enjoying the steam, as am I. And next thing I know, like, now I'm, like, hypersensitive about when the steam dissipates, you know? And I'm kind of suspicious of people walking by. I'm like, is... Is that person going to turn off the switch? I'm like kind of turning psychotic about this steam room switch now. I feel the steam start to dissipate. And all I'm thinking as I lay there over and over again, is that light still on? <laughs> is that light still on? Like, is that light still on? <laughs> so I get up. I'm like a little warm. Oh, I could use a drink. You know, the water fountain's right outside. And maybe I'll use that opportunity to see if the switch is on. You know, I haven't seen anybody turn it off. There's no shadows of any person, you know. But sometimes I've had somebody walk in and they turn off the switch so they don't get over steamed in the steam room, which is ridiculous, number one. <laughs> so I open the door and I'm like, oh, the light's on. Everything's fine. Let me just drink from the water fountain. I go over and drink. I'm drinking. In that moment, I look up and the light automatically turns off. And I'm like, no, no. 
I didn't even say it, but after this guy like weirdly talked to me in the steam room, I did have a moment. I'm like, what if there's an automatic off switch? And at the same time, I'm like, no, no, like that would not be the case. Like that's crazy. Okay. And then I see it automatically switched off. And I'm like, oh my God, faith was restored in humanity, maybe like 15%, you know, not like a huge amount. But in that moment, I'm like, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> like I've been, I've been blaming all these people for turning off this switch. I've had these terrible thoughts. I've scanned the pool looking for these people who may have turned off the switch while I was in the steam room. <laughs> like, like a psycho, okay? And then in that moment, I'm like, oh, it's, it's automatic. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine, okay? Judge me however you will, <laughs> if you want to, okay? Like, I'm just telling you in this moment my underlying thoughts because yes i have had strange steam room interactions okay multiple and i've talked about a lot of them on this podcast but now you know the truth and now i know the truth maybe i've over exaggerated about my thoughts about what has been going on with the switch in the steam room i can't blame anybody else for the switch so that's where I'm going to leave it. <laughs> that's where I'm leaving this for the steam room. The past few days, I've been sleeping really well. And yes, I have changed something. I want to tell you what that is. And if you look at it, it looks funny. But I have not woken up at all in the night. I would wake up maybe around 3, 4 a.m. and just lay there for like 30 to 40 minutes and then fall back asleep for a couple hours maybe this is what i did i went and i bought this pillow it's a kolb's pillow it's written k-o-l-b-s and it's a wedge pillow it basically goes down a third of your back and you lay on a slant like a slight slant nothing crazy but I start out and I lay on my back and then I'll wake up between six and eight hours later and I'll be laying on my side. You know, you can also do that on this pillow. But I swear, I've been sleeping so well and it was very unexpected. So try it, you know, and if you don't want to use it for sleeping, you can use it for reading or other things. It's a nice pillow. But I'm talking about it because I'm sensitive with pillows. Oftentimes I get a kink in my neck and it ruins like my whole week, you know, and then I have to go to the chiropractor or have somebody massage me, but there's nobody to massage me and I don't want to pay like $160 just for a massage. So this pillow is a lot cheaper and I haven't had any kinks in my neck. I haven't had any neck issues or like major shoulder issues for that matter. Come to think of it, um, amazing. <laughs> yeah, so look it up, look it up. So I watched this series on Netflix 
Very, very interesting. It's called You Are What You Eat, The Twin Experiment. And maybe you've heard about it, but it makes you think. It makes you think about what you eat. It's worth watching. The series is about, there are these twins, right? They, they did these studies on multiple twins because they're so close genetically. Okay, so one twin went on a plant-based diet and the other twin was on an omnivore diet. And they did this, they studied them for eight weeks, which is a very short amount of time. But even in this time period, it was very interesting what they found. Basically on a plant-based diet, a few things. You have an increased sex drive. It went up like 300% versus the meat diet went up maybe like 120%. The fat around your organs went down on all the plant-based twins. And that's the dangerous part, is the fat that's around your organs. Because that's what's gonna give you like diabetes, that's what's gonna give you heart attacks, um, Alzheimer's, you know, all these things that are so dangerous. That's the real issue, is the fat around your organs. I remember during COVID, I was in Switzerland, and I was baking so much, because I was home. You know, and I was baking, and then I was eating the food that I was baking. Normally, when I'm in the kitchen, I just bake a lot. I don't eat, you know, everything I make. I'll taste it, but typically I tend to not eat all of this food. And that's what's dangerous. Okay, number one, the worst thing you can eat are processed foods. So if you're buying things in the freezer aisle, things that are already made, number one, the worst thing you can buy. Number two, the worst thing are sugars. Okay, this is my job. This is what I make. I make everything with refined sugars. Yeah, that's the second worst thing you can eat. And I know I'm addicted. You know, I've, I've talked about this. And that's the thing. When I get stressed, which I get stressed at work, you know, especially when there's a lot going on at once, when there's lines of people wanting things from me in pastry. Let me just say, I'm in pastry. I'm the furthest point in the kitchen. To get to me, you have to pass the line. You have to pass the prep area. You have to pass the cold kitchen. Like you're literally passing 10 other people before you get to pastry. Yet, the whole hotel comes to me and thinks everything is in pastry. If they want sugar, okay, they get it from me. In that case, obviously. If they want coffee filters, they ask me. Why? I don't know. Like, does pastry have all the equipment in the whole hotel for everybody? No. But this is the thought, okay? Um, if they want birthday candles, they come to me. They come to me for every single thing, including what happened, like, in December? Someone came in asking for cheese fondue. And one of my assistants looked at this person and said, we don't do cheese, we do chocolate. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, it doesn't matter what anybody wants. They come to pastry if they want anything from the kitchen, which is the weirdest thing. Like, is it because they understand what I'm saying? Is it because I answer their questions that nobody else can? I don't know, okay? But if you're listening to this and you work in the hotel, ask like anybody else 
first and then go to pastry if they can't answer. Okay, so when I get stressed, I eat something delicious. We make these Danish pastries in the morning and when they're left over, you know, my favorite thing to eat is a raspberry Danish. I love fresh raspberries, that's my favorite fruit. There's cut fresh raspberries on top of this croissant Danish. It's a viennoiserie, it's a croissant dough, so it's nice and crispy. It's filled with pastry cream, it's filled with raspberry compote, and it's topped with fresh raspberries. This is my weakness, okay? So if I'm stressing out, even one of my assistants will be like, chef, have a raspberry Danish. And I can't argue with that. I'm like, okay, yes, I need sugar, you're right. <laughs> I'll eat this raspberry Danish and I will feel so much better. I know this is my drug. So the last few weeks I've been trying to, you know, not eat it every day. Like everything in moderation, right? So I've been eating maybe, you know, one every other day, okay? When I was in Switzerland and I was baking everything and eating it, I noticed that I was getting more fat around my tummy, like my belly, you know, and that is the worst kind of fat you can have. So this was interesting in this study, the plant-based diet decreased all fat around your organs on every single plant-based twin. Some of them went up with the meat-based diet, you know, so that didn't really go down. And this is what's scary is when you look at how animals are being raised, okay? Think about yourself. Like if you're in a traffic jam, if you're in a crowded subway and you're smelling somebody else's BO, you're smelling their bad breath, you're too close, okay? But this is how it is, right? Like when we're with a lot of other people in tight situations on public transportation, when you get stuck in traffic, you start to get angry. I mean, I do. You know, when I'm in tight spaces with a lot of other people and I can't go anywhere, like I get angry and I start to have a low amount of patience. And then I'll get frustrated, and maybe I'll start rolling my eyes or start getting annoyed with somebody else's body odor. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, you see this all the time, especially in cities, you know, when, when people lash out at other people with fights, um, shootings, what have you, right? It's never a good situation when you have a lot of people in one concentrated area. And now this is how it is for animals being raised, okay? First of all, there's so many people, right? Everybody's having kids, <laughs> except me, which is fine. I'm fine with that. And there's not enough land to grow animals, to raise animals in a healthy way, okay? The best kind of animal, I guess, you know, you can consume is a cow, that is grass-fed, okay? This is natural in nature. They eat grass, they're raised on a pasture, and then they're rotated on different pastures. The thing is, when you grow cattle that's grown, you know, free-range, outside, it takes, what, three times longer to raise? There's too many people for this, and there's not enough land. The series showed how you could have the whole of the U.S. filled with cattle being raised on pasture and it would only feed a quarter of the population 
in the U.S. And that's the thing, right? All these cows, all these chickens, all these farm-raised fish, all these pigs, they're all being raised indoors in tight, tight, tight situations. Like they're next to each other. They have no space. If I had no space like this, I would lash out. Okay, and that's what the animals do. They get angry because they're fighting just to stand, right? They literally are skin to skin. And that's what happens. They start arguing with each other. They start um, getting infections. The chickens, they start picking at each other because they start having arguments. Like every day, these farmers have to go through the pens and they have to pick up dead chickens from arguments, from heart attacks, because they get fed antibiotics naturally every day because you get sick more easily when you're around a lot of people. And same with animals. They get sick and in the antibiotics, they grow faster. When they're given antibiotics daily, they gain weight faster. They're growing a lot faster than they normally would in nature. Okay, so in just a few months, you have a full-grown chicken, which you wouldn't have in nature. On top of that, they're not able to move, so they can't exercise. Same with people. So they're growing too fast to keep up with their bone structure, with their skeleton. So a lot of them become deformed. Their breasts grow larger, because that's what the farmers want, right? That's what people want. They want chicken breasts. That's the most popular meat on a chicken but they're growing too fast than is normal. So they get a lot of heart attacks. They start to lean forward because their breasts are much larger than and heavier than the rest of their body. Like these crazy deformations, which are so unsightly and inhumane. You know, same with the cows. The U.S. eats so much beef that it cannot keep up with the consumption that the U.S. is getting meat from Brazil. In Brazil, they're literally cutting down the Amazon, the rainforest, because when they cut down the trees, the soil is so fertile that they grow this pasture. And then they put the cattle on this pasture. But after three years, there's no more nutrients in it because the cattle has eaten all the nutrients that the land is barren. They don't do anything with this land, and they move on to the next pasture from the next trees that have been cut down from the Amazon. Like, literally, if you think about the red meat you're eating, the burger you're eating, you don't know where it comes from. You don't know if it comes from Brazil. But either way, there's 33% of methane that is put in the air, in the environment, just from the amount of cattle that is on this planet versus from cars. You know, we can get electric cars and all this, which, you know, electric batteries, I mean, this has other issues on the environment, but that is still way less than the amount of methane that is put on the planet, in the environment, from the cow. Is it worth it to eat a hamburger if you knew that this meat came from a pasture that used to have the Amazon forest on it. Are you okay with eating this meat? You know, I was a vegetarian for 25 years. You know, and I'm not saying, you know, be a vegan, be, you know, vegetarian. Like, is that the 
answer. I don't know. The thing is, this isn't the answer either. Eating so much meat in excess. And the thing is, when your meat is grown, right? Like most of the meat is grown indoors in these cramped spaces in these, they're not even barns. You know, they're, they're these facilities where they're not moving. None of these animals are moving. So they have very high fat. You know, you're eating this saturated fat, which is clogging your arteries, which is long-term giving you Alzheimer's and heart disease. I don't know, is it worth it to know that you're eating this meat with this animal that was given antibiotics every day because it cannot heal its own infections? You know, it's getting these skin infections from these living conditions. Like, is that the kind of food we want to eat? And that's the thing, like, it doesn't say on the packaging where it's from, right? Like, even when you buy eggs, it'll say it's cage-free. But it doesn't mean this was raised outdoors. You know, it was just not in a cage, but it was still in a super tight space, given antibiotics, getting infections. And it's like, it's just so disturbing. Same with the fish. We've eaten 80% of the seas, okay? There's like barely anything left. Is it worth it? Is the sushi worth it? Yes, I've had amazing sushi and I've talked about it. But the thing is, most of the salmon that we eat now is farm-raised. I actually prefer the taste to farm-raised salmon than to wild salmon because I'm more used to it, which is kind of twisted. But when you see how the farm-raised fish is raised, it's not better. Again, they're in these tight spaces. They're getting um, infections, okay? When you get a whole fish, it has such a huge amount of fat because it can't swim. There's no space for it to swim because there's so many other fish in these nets. They're being raised in these nets, in waters, in lakes, in parts of the ocean, and there's no space for them. They're getting extremely sick, and the waste that they create, it's just going in the water, but it's so concentrated. You would never have this kind of concentrated waste in the ocean from the fish. You know, it's because it's grown so concentrated, you have concentrated poop in the waters, which is actually killing the wild fish. Like, it's crazy. You know, you think one thing might be better than eating something wild because there's less of it. But then you have side effects from that. Where is the middle of the road? Like, how do you make it better? Do you make it better by not eating any of it? You know, can we eat less meat? Yes, we definitely can. Is a meal complete without meat? Yes, if you eat whole grains, you know, that's the danger if you stop eating meat. The danger is eating more processed foods. The danger is eating more simple carbohydrates versus whole grains. You know, eat brown rice instead of white. Eat quinoa instead of white pasta. Or there's this, um, like, bean pasta now that you can get. It actually tastes really good, but it has more fiber, so it's healthier. It's healthier for your intestines. Fiber is good. Does it make you more gassy? Yes. That's a side effect from fiber. The more processed foods we eat, 
the more intestinal issues we have. Colon cancer is on the rise and I've actually made an appointment to get a screening because I'm in that age range. I do eat fermented foods, which are gonna increase your microbiomes in your intestines. So microbiomes are the good bacteria that helps your intestines, that make you go on a regular basis, that come from uh, veggies and plants and fermented foods like kombucha. I just wanna throw that out there. If you wanna make your own kombucha, it's so easy and I'm making a batch right now. But again, listen to my fermented foods episode because when you make your own kombucha at home, it's raw. It has not been pasteurized. And the amount of probiotics in that, it's like five times higher than it would be when you buy it. But this series, You Are What You Eat, just was so interesting. It really, again, put things into perspective. Eating a plant-based diet also keeps you younger it extends your telomeres. So telomeres, everybody has, it just increases your body's lifespan. So let's say, you know, I'm in my 40s, but if I eat the right foods, my body will be in its 30s, so to speak, you know, based on what you're eating. So you can keep your body younger by eating the right foods. Everything goes back to your food. Everything. And that's the hard part, you know? Like, your emotions fuel your cravings, right? So you have to be healthy and talk about your emotions. You have to communicate in a proper way so that you don't get all these emotional blockages and eat processed foods and Cheetos <laughs> like I love to by Cheetos puffs like I I was sick last week and the first thing I bought was Cheetos puffs I'm like yeah I deserve this do I deserve it <laughs> do I deserve junk food like why do we view it in that way like yes I deserve a junk food day why you know like why do we view it in that way instead I should be thinking how do I live a healthy, long life where I can help others and be healthy myself? Why not think that way instead? If you keep your emotions in check, you don't have these negative cravings for the bad foods, so to speak. You know, is it easy to say, yes, stay away from processed foods and stay away from sugars? Uh, yeah, it's easy to say that. You know, because we have our lives, right? Like the minute you change something up, everything changes and it becomes this like stressful thing because you're changing something. But that's just initially. When I first became a vegetarian, the first three months were the hardest. It also didn't help because my brothers would try and sneak in meat, you know, into my food and I'd see it and then they'd laugh like super loud. You know, they weren't helping me, but that's the thing for for anything new to become habit, it takes about two to three months. It was the same when, like, my cat got diabetes and I had to give him insulin every day. I had to give him vitamins every day. This was a daily thing. I did this every day. And I got used to this. You know, it's the same with a positive thing as it is with a negative thing when you're looking after somebody when they're sick. It becomes habit. 
you know, you do it naturally. And then when my cat died, all of a sudden I had like an extra, like two to three hours a day because I was using this time to take care of him. But the sad thing is I would rather continue to use this time to take care of my cat than to have him be dead. You know, like same with anybody you love or any pet you love. You know, you get used to these habits. But the point is, we don't want to take care of our loved ones because we want to see them healthy, right? Like that's why we take care of them is because we love them. And we'd rather take care of them than to see them die. It takes a huge emotional toll on you. If you make the wrong food choices and your kids have to look after you or other family members, you know, you're putting that onto your whole family just because of the food choices you're making. And you don't really think about it because we make these food decisions in a split second, you know? Like I know when I'm stressed out, I start eating the wrong things, you know? But how much more rewarding is it to eat the right things and to see your family and your loved ones healthy, not getting cancer, not getting Alzheimer's, not getting heart disease, not getting diabetes. How much more amazing is that when we're focusing on the right things? Like I've talked so much about food bringing people together and it's because of our childhood. You know, we, we eat these foods based on tradition, based on how we're raised, based on the past. And that's beautiful. Like it's beautiful how food brings people together. But what if you switch some of those choices. Maybe instead of eating mac and cheese with white pasta, you you maybe add a whole wheat pasta or this um, like bean pasta. You know, maybe instead of eating white rice, you switch it to brown rice. It's gonna fill you up faster, it's got more fiber. You know, maybe make a couple of small changes that long-term will give you more reward. Maybe instead of eating this fast-raised chicken, maybe buy an organic chicken. And instead of eating chicken five times a week, you eat it like once or twice a week. When I get sick, I usually get this cough. And it's the cough that just kills me. I've had it all my life. Just like every time I get sick, I get a cough. And that's like something I had a lot of as a kid. You know, just these horrible coughs, like bronchitis. And... Last night I was craving vegetables, you know, so I decided to make this uh, juice with carrots, with lemons, with kale, a green apple. And right away I was coughing less and I was just feeling better. Like sometimes I forget how good I feel after I eat veggies, you know, and that's another thing on what kinds of veggies you eat because everything is sprayed right? Everything has pesticides. And that's the other thing. We have to look out and be careful for how things are grown. This is why I'm so pro to growing your own veggies, your own fruits. I mean, yes, I'm in the middle of snow. I can't grow it all year long, even though you can get these indoor light growing towers. You know, and the flavor is so much more concentrated and you know where it's being grown. That's the scary part about the things you buy. Yesterday, I was in the grocery store because I wanted to get like two things. 
And of course I end up getting like 12, right? Because I'm like, yes, I want to buy some veggies for my juice. So I do that. And then as I'm walking around, I'm like, oh, wait, I need eggs. I pick the cage-free ones. But are these the good eggs? You know, like, I don't think these chickens were outside. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't eaten um, short rib in a while. I want to make some Korean short rib myself with some onion, with soy sauce, with green onions, with garlic in my pressure cooker. So I'm like, yeah, let me buy that. And then next I get some chicken thighs, boneless, and I'm looking at the weight, right, and the cost. And this is before I watch the series. I should have watched the series first and then gone back to the store. I wouldn't have bought the short rib. I would have bought the expensive chicken, right? Like the organic chicken. But then from these few ingredients I bought, I spent $74. I don't have a family. I don't have pets. You know, from like 10 items. I mean, that's a lot of money. It just makes you think about what you're doing. I know how I feel when I wake up sluggish. I know how I feel when I eat fried foods. I'm enjoying it in that moment, you know, but I don't feel good the next day. I don't feel good when I have a hangover, right? Like, or if my stomach hurts, if I'm bloated, if I have acid reflux, like all of the above. We're doing this to ourselves, right? We're literally deciding ourselves how we want to live. Some things are genetic, yes, but with most plant-based diets, you can reverse certain diseases that may have been in your family for generations. And I think that's worth looking into. I really do. So I wanted to talk about this because, yeah, I want to, you know, maybe three times a week just eat veggies. Like, I don't have a problem eating veggies. I like them. I make a lot of salads. I prefer buying Morningstar veggie chicken tenders over actual chicken tenders. Because first of all, there's no E. coli. There's no salmonella. But again, it's processed, you know. But it is easier to switch to a plant-based diet when you eat things that look meat-like. Mentally, it's easier to switch. Because that's the thing. We base so much of our food on emotions. Because again, it brings you back to your childhood. It brings you back to all these family memories or with friends and things like that. So when I first switched to being a vegetarian, again, I was 10 years old, okay? This is like in the 80s, <laughs> okay? There weren't a lot of options for vegans, for vegetarians, you know, and, and I wasn't a vegan. I ate dairy. But in England, there were a lot more choices, you know, like veggie burgers, like fake chicken patties, like fake bologna meat, like for sandwiches, like these things help to switch mentally, you know, to make it easier that you don't have to have a meal with meat every time. But again, you know, it's processed. Um, it'll have more salt than, you know, if you eat just straight up veggies or saute them. But we're getting better and better at making these different meats that are not from meat. You know, they're all plant-based. Like the Impossible Burger. I mean, have you tried it? It tastes really good. But I'm a person like, 
I'm not a fan of hamburgers. I'm not really a fan of steak. I don't need this to feel good, you know? Like for me, it's like the sweets and the desserts that really get me going. So I saw this clip and basically it's scientists. They have these thin, like super, super thin walls of human tissue and they're growing it like in a lab. And they put these thin slices of human tissue that they've created. I don't know how. Okay, don't ask me that. I'm a pastry chef. I don't know how you create human meat. But they put these thin slices of meat in this solution. Okay, and in a 24-hour period, the strands start connecting. And you have this, like, cake-like structure, if you will, of human meat. And basically, you can sell it. It's cheaper than beef. It looks like steak. It was raised in a lab, you know, but it was grown faster than you need to grow cattle. So in the end, it's cost effective and supposedly the taste is better. So you're promoting eating each other, like you're promoting eating humans. Is that weird? Right off the bat, I'm like, yes, it's weird. Because typically, even animals don't eat each other. Some do. You know, there's always some that don't care. But typically, an animal doesn't eat its own breed naturally. But also, why is it weird to eat human flesh when it's natural to us to eat animals? Why is it natural for us to eat animals? Because we were raised like that? Because everyone's doing it? Because you can buy it in a store? Like, you're told, oh, you have to eat protein to be healthy? You know, but why is it okay to eat animals? Because they can't talk? You know, because we think they're less important than people? Is it wrong to eat human flesh that was raised in a lab? I don't know. Would I rather have the rainforest? Yes. Would I rather be eating something that doesn't have infections and doesn't have to have antibiotics to grow? You know, because all of these medicines that we're giving these animals, we eat that. Okay, so if an animal eats antibiotics in its food every day so that it doesn't get infections, then we're eating that. So what happens to us when we're eating the food from these unhealthy animals? This is what happens. We're becoming immune to antibiotics, that people are dying in hospitals because they now are immune to antibiotics. So is it true to what you are, what you eat? Yes, 100%. You know, basically look at the texture of the food and that is how you're going to become, okay? If you're eating donuts, and I love donuts, right? Like, I want to open up a donut shop. I love donuts. But look at the texture of a donut. It's, like, soft. It's doughy. It's spongy. This is what it's going to do to you. It's going to make your belly soft and doughy and spongy. If you eat kale, like, it's got this, like, muscular texture. It's lean. This is what it's going to do to your body. It's going to make you like lean. Just looking at the textures and looking at the actual food 
the whole food you're eating, right? Most of the time it's probably gonna be processed. So it's not doing anything good for your body. It's just going right through you because that's what processed foods do. They go right through you and don't leave any nutrients behind. It's just like fats that they leave behind. And that's what's going to give you uh, your fatty organs, you know, all the bad things. At the same time, I'm a pastry chef. I can't cut this out. Like, can I cut it out 100%? No. Also, I don't want to because I get so much enjoyment out of food. Maybe to like an unhealthy amount. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, this series really questioned so many things. So is my enjoyment on desserts healthy? Or is it because I have like unresolved emotional issues? Like, is it normal to crave desserts on this level? I don't know, but I think it's interesting to ask myself, like, is this a healthy craving? And at the same time, are all cravings healthy? Yes, I think so, right? I think it's, I think it's healthy to have cravings. But if you're constantly craving donuts or pastries, there's probably something else going on, like emotionally. Again, you know, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a psychologist. I think it's worth asking that, you know, asking ourselves, oh, right now, is this a healthy craving? Sometimes I'll just have a weird craving of whipped cream. And I know that's not a healthy craving. <laughs> you know, but then I'm like, oh, I'll put this whipped cream on some ice cream. And, you know, it's funny because I have this like dairy free hazelnut ice cream in my freezer. I've systematically been eating it. And but I'll eat it with like heavy cream, like whipped cream on top. So it like defeats the whole purpose of the dairy free ice cream. But it still tastes really good, you know, because cream makes everything taste better, in my opinion. I do have a couple of vegan recipes. Some vegan things are delicious. I'm not saying it's not, but more planning has to go into it. More testing has to be made. Like it's easy for me to make something using gelatin because I've worked with it so much. I know how it's gonna come out. It's a more pleasant texture than something made with agar, which is seaweed. You know, it has a very like, choppy texture. It melts kind of less in your mouth. It's just very different. But then if you know where gelatin comes from, I mean, just making marshmallows, like we make excessive amounts of marshmallows because we make our own s'mores, which is crazy how popular they are. Like if you make anything s'more related in the US, it's going to be a top seller, <laughs> like number one. And we make these huge amounts of marshmallows. Okay, all marshmallows is, is gelatin, sugar, corn syrup, and that's it, right? Like you put your gelatin, which you've dissolved in cold water, you put it in your mixture. Okay, and, and we're making like large quantities. So this is like a cup, a cup and a half of actual powdered gelatin, which when you put water on it, it becomes like two and a half cups, right? You put this in your mixer, you cook your sugar. So it's sugar, 
with water and corn syrup, because the corn syrup prevents crystallization. You cook this to 240 Fahrenheit, which is a softball stage, same as you cook the syrup to make Italian buttercream. And you pour this syrup over the gelatin and you whisk it on high for 10 minutes. And it becomes marshmallow, like it becomes thick, but it sticks to everything. So everything you use to touch it, you have to cover with shortening so that it doesn't stick to everything. And then you put it out of your mixer bowl, you put it in a pan, you let it sit overnight, and you cut it the way you want it, and you have fresh marshmallow. But the smell of this is gross because 80% of it is actual gelatin. Like, how do you now feel thinking about eating marshmallows after I've told you how to make marshmallows? I mean, you know, like, it's gross. It's gross. But still, I like the texture with something made with gelatin versus agar. You know, we're, we get used to things, but when we know how it's made, when we know where it comes from, it's so disturbing. Do I feel okay eating fish when I know that we only have like 20% of fish left in the ocean, right? Like these fish get caught in these huge nets. There's no control about what is caught. Dolphins get caught in these nets. Whales get caught in these nets and they can't be saved because there's just nets filled with extreme amounts of seafood. I mean, I love fish. I love eating it. And it's delicious, you know, depending on how it's prepared. But when I see this, it makes me sick. I don't want to eat anything. <laughs> like everything is so disturbing. You know, same with dairy. When you look at these large quantities of cows being huddled together just to be milked, the way these farms, these small farms, milk the cows. When I was in Costa Rica, when I was in Switzerland, this is fresh. Like this is milked and sold the day of. It's raw. Okay, this still has all its nutrients, all its vitamins. But this is not the milk that we're buying. Generally, unless you live next to a farm, this is not the milk you're going to get. You know, like everything that we eat is so twisted. And I see the prices when I buy this stuff at work. You know, when I buy a small pack of sugar at home. Sugar now is so expensive, by the way. You know, and it's made in such a cheap way. And it's like $5 a bag. It's not organic, nothing special about it, just plain white sugar. And when I buy a 50-pound bag of sugar at work, it's $20, okay? Like... <laughs> When you buy things in huge quantities. But again, this is not organic sugar. And how do we know that something is 100% organic? As consumers, we don't know where our food comes from. That's the disturbing part. But my goal to talk about this today is, first of all, just to talk about it. Because <laughs> I'm really good at that. But also, just think about the meals you're eating. Like, just think about it. I definitely want to include more veggies in my diet. I'm going to cut out maybe a couple pastries. You know, I'm not saying don't buy my products. I'm not saying that. But maybe buy less 
instead of eating pastries five days a week, maybe, you know, like three days. <laughs> like, think about it. Maybe eat something fermented, eat some sauerkraut, drink some kombucha, you know, maybe have a project that includes making something fermented. I guarantee you, it'll become a habit. You know, like now when I make my kombucha, every five days I make a new batch. It's habit, you know, and just do it for a few months. And then you'll realize, like, if you drink this daily, if you're making it every week, when you don't have it for a couple days, you're, like, going to miss it. Because I do feel better, okay? I do go to the bathroom regularly. Like, not that you needed to know this, but there's certain things that can really improve your health. Because on the other hand, what are the bad habits you have? Maybe smoke a cigarette, maybe drink soda, Maybe eat Cheetos, maybe eat a raspberry Danish. <laughs> I mean, there are countless bad habits. Going out and drinking alcohol, you know, I mean, it's endless. But we make the bad things bad habits, and it's acceptable, and it's fine. But why not turn that around and switch it up with something positive for your own health? Because more than not... The choices you make food-wise regarding your body and what you eat, you're in control. I mean, that's kind of crazy to realize, but you are. And I feel like I've realized that lately, and I'm going to make the switch. Yeah, just think about it. Make something that will benefit you long-term health-wise. And check out the program, You Are What You Eat on Netflix. It's worth it, I swear. Thank you for listening. I'm Chef KB. Until next time.